Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's news talk radio, TNT. Yes, get a bit of head banging going for that little jingle. I think that was one of the very first ones that was ever produced for the Locked and Loaded show. And this is Locked and Loaded. This is TNT Radio. Uh, we are live from the Gold Coast in Australia. I am Rick Munn, and I'm going to be joined over the course of this hour by uh, Gemma Cooper and also the wonderful Dr. Urmi Ray, who's going to be beaming in from Paris in France uh, to give us an update about what's happening in her neck of the woods and the way she thinks see things going at the rate things are happening at this point in time. A little bit of a shout-out for TNT Radio. Uh, there was a, an announcement made last week that we had reached 10 million 10 million uh, podcast downloads, which is incredible, or episode or show downloads uh, through our website and also through the streaming services, Spotify and Apple Music. And there's also a post, if you don't follow TNT Radio on social media, on the X platform, you can check them out at TNT Radio uh, Live. Uh, They put up a post this morning to say Sky News Australia has just rolled out a new streaming app uh, for $5 per month. However, the TNT Radio app is available for free in the Google Play Store and the App Store. And it has all the truth. Sky News Australia app does not tell the truth. At least if it does, it tells uh, little tainted versions of the truth with a little dose of uh, artistic license thrown in there for good measure. So bear that in mind, folks, if you haven't already done it, download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store onto your listening device of choice. That could be your laptop or your computer or your mobile phone or an iPad or a tablet or whatever it is that you actually listen on and uh, make sure that's installed on your device. Uh, Roderick O'Gorman, uh, the Irish uh, Integration Minister, a minister for integration, can you believe that? Uh, he famously sent out uh, messages in various languages to tell people to come to Ireland with the promise of their own door accommodation within four months. And this isn't a story about immigration per se, but this is a story about a lie that he told that has caused a lot of problems within Ireland. So basically what he did was he had uh, messages of uh, encouragement to come to Ireland printed in so many different languages and posted up on other people's websites telling people that if they came to Ireland within four months, they would have a key to their own front door. So, of course, that caused a lot of people to come. But now uh, it's turned out that that has been a complete lie. And to cover for his failures, he is using Irish taxpayers uh, to pay these people to live effectively on the streets. So this was a report that came out yesterday uh, in the Sunday World in Ireland. Roderick O'Gorman has said it is likely that there will not be enough housing for asylum seekers within the next few days. So we're not talking about a crisis that's going to hit, you know, six months from now or a year from now. This is the current state of play at this point in time. He said there may be additional financial supports put in place for international protection applicants who come to Ireland but who are not housed due to a shortage of accommodation. So in other words, uh, they're going to pay them even more money. Uh, Integration Minister O'Gorman said all arrivals were housed as of yesterday evening, despite warnings at Cabinet earlier this week that accommodation will run out. So the Cabinet themselves are saying that there's nowhere else to put people, but there's still people coming into the country. He said it's likely there will not be enough housing uh, within the next few days, so he's actually admitting that himself. He says that in the next few days, we won't be in a position to accommodate everybody seeking international protection, as has been the case in the past. We will look to accommodate families 
and I had to raise an eyebrow to that one because uh, I'm I'm not seeing families being accommodated in Ireland at the minute. I know there are some, but it's predominantly single men. It is predominantly single men that are being planted into villages and towns and office blocks throughout Ireland. So where are the families? Where are the women? Where are the children? Where are the elderly? Where are the sick and the infirm? I don't know. Uh, He said we'll take steps uh, at this stage or at that stage uh, to provide them with some additional resources. And we will also take steps to target those who are vulnerable in terms of potentially sleeping rough. So when he says potentially sleeping rough, what he's trying to say is when the accommodation runs out in his own words in a few days time, that they will be sleeping rough. Where else uh, are they going to be placed or where else will they go? These additional supports just finally include higher payments for those without any accommodation as well as closer to uh, closer cooperation with homelessness services and if there's one thing Ireland is coming down with at this point in time it is homeless NGOs or non-governmental organizations there are so many of them out there so many homeless workers per homeless person I'm shocked Uh, that we even have a problem here in the first place, but a problem we do have. And he believes one of the ways to deal with this is to throw money at people that could be potentially sleeping on the streets. That's not how to solve the problem, Roderick. You close the borders and you don't let anybody else into the country if you cannot actually accommodate them. And this is the government finally admitting to what we've been saying all along here. There is nowhere to put these people Guest houses, B&B accommodation and hotels just simply does not cut the mustard or putting them into converted convents or old folks homes or army barracks or office blocks in Eastwall in Dublin doesn't cut the mustard. So maybe the penny is finally dropping when the government themselves are admitting to this catastrophic problem that they have uh, effectively engineered themselves. So if you're listening, Roderick, wind your neck in and do the right thing close the borders and sort the Irish people out. So we've got to take a brief pause here. And when we come back, I'll be talking to Gemma. So please don't go away. This is TNT Radio. Conversations to inform and include. It's meant for everyday people to understand. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, I don't think we are ones for saying we told you so. I I don't believe in pointing the finger and saying I told you so, I told you so. But effectively, are we not getting more and more of these feeling like I told you so moments where this is stuff that we would have been ridiculed for saying a year ago, six months ago, there is nowhere to put people. Ireland is full. England is full. This is not sustainable. This can't work. This is going to crack communities. This is going to really be putting people out here. Finally, the governments are turning around and effectively admitting it themselves for a Gorman to come out and say, yeah, you know what? There is nowhere to put anyone. Finally say that is quite, uh, it's not, you know, vindicating but at the same time it's sad that he let it get to this point in the first place yeah absolutely and it is something that is it's a global thing it's uh it's the globalist agenda in full effect and in fact uh dean mackin and i were talking earlier today on tnt because this problem absolutely affects england and australia as well we're talking uh, record numbers of uh net migration figures for uh, the uk it was nearly a third of a million the figures that came out last week there's a report out now that shows that's directly Im- impacting the rental market and squeezing people out and adding to the homeless problem because nine out of ten people who arrive 
drivers, um, migrants into the UK. Uh, included in that is things like foreign students, but there's mm. still people that don't live here. Um, nine out of 10 go straight into rental, pushing the prices up 10% higher than they were a year ago. That's forcing a lot of people out. They're going back home. They're sofa surfing. Um, that, that's adding to a homeless problem. That's all because of migration. Exactly the same in Australia, where then that migration figures are half a million more. Um, again, that's a lot of students and backpackers, but they love Australia so much they don't want to go home. All very well and good, but there's nowhere to put them. There's nowhere to put them. And that's not even counting economic migrants and, and immigration and people applying for asylum. So this is happening in every single country around the world. What is surprising is what you're saying is that the government's holding their hands up and saying, OK, we admit it. I wonder if that's the overwhelming tide of public opinion swinging against our elected leaders um, or just that they've got nowhere to hide with this anymore. It's so bleedingly obvious. Yeah, there's only uh, so big the elephant in the room can grow before it breaks the walls of the room and the room comes falling down. And just you mentioned Australia, just very, very briefly, uh, Malcolm Roberts, just to back up what you've just said there, Malcolm Roberts, who's the One Nation Senator uh, from Queensland in Australia, he said 2.3 million visa holders in Australia at this point in time fighting Aussies for food and housing. This excludes additional 400,000 tourist or short-stay visas. So when you factor that all in, uh, Gemma, that's roughly 2.7, 2.8 million visa holders are in Australia at this point in time. The population of Australia is around about 28 million. So think about that. One in 10 people-ish, seven, almost one in 10 people that are in Australia at the minute are actually there on a visa. That is a mad number of people. And of course, it's putting huge amount of pressure on services, as you've rightly uh, pointed out. So Australia, Ireland, you know, uh, UK, France, Sweden, Germany, you name it, uh, everybody's suffering from this problem. And there's only so far uh, that it can actually go before the camel's back is broken by that final straw. Uh, you have a great story here this morning, which again is another uh, burden that's being put on the health services. And again, could it have been preventable? Could something have done? Britain, uh, obesity crisis. What's the bottom line with this one? Well, again, this is another one that it, it, we don't know how to solve this problem either, much as the migration problem. How do we solve it now? Um, it, it's getting worse. So there's the government's former food czar. He's set to give a speech today at the Royal Society, and this has made headlines in many mainstream outlets today, um, this morning. Uh, he's basically saying that uh, Brits lose $100 billion a year almost in in, in uh in lost wages, lost lost kind of productivity due to our obesity crisis, and this is due to get worse over the next uh, fifteen years. They're expected to increase by another ten billion. They're staggering figures. Um, the cost to the NHS of obesity-related re uh, illnesses like diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, that kind of thing, is almost twenty billion. Um, and he says that to cope with the obesity crisis, the NHS will suck money out of other public services and we are fast heading to becoming a sick and impoverished nation. Um, so he's going to give that speech later on and he's calling for very draconian restrictions on junk food. He says he wants smoking style restrictions on junk food to curb our addiction. And that's the problem, I think. We're addicted to this crap and it is crap. Um, but now two thirds of UK adults, two thirds in a population of 60 to 70 million, two thirds of adults are either severely overweight or obese. And that figure is expected to grow. Rishi Sunak is saying he's going to do everything he can to get the, the long-term sick, which includes obesity, back to work, even if it's working from home. But many people are just 
you know, I can't, I can't think of a better way to say it, but they're too fat to work. They're related mm. health conditions and meaning they cannot get in to the job market with any significant mm. impact. Now, the government says it's, it doesn't want to be a nanny state and it doesn't want to tell people what to put in their bodies. Uh, hello, <laughs> do you not see the irony of that one over the last three and a half years? Um, it says that it's doing all it can. It's encouraging, you know, more sport in schools and that kind of thing. But it's a very it's a very tokenistic response. It's basically saying it's up to the individual to, to eat what they want. Now, the junk food lobby has got a lot of money. So I think that's why the government is not really sort of nailing its colours to the mast with this one, because I'm pretty sure that just like Big Pharma, you've got the likes of, you know, certain big, you know, fast food outlets waiting in the wings, ready to give political parties a lot of money. So it's a very lily-livered response to this. But I think what's sad is that so many people now, not just in the UK, but worldwide, are addicted to substances that are really are no nutritional value. People have lost the art of cooking. Uh, and addiction with food is a very, very, very common thing. And of course, food is everywhere. It's not like being addicted to crack cocaine where you've got to go and hunt and find it and you've mm. you really got to know what you're doing. It's a hard addiction to crack. Um, and I think that's where we are with this. But the cost of the economy is staggering. This guy is calling for really quite severe restrictions on junk food. Whether we'll get them, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, that's the picture of health here in the UK today. That uh, figure that you said, roughly uh, two out of every three adults in the UK are either uh, seriously overweight or obese. That, again, is setting up for a real uh, you know, tidal wave of ill health to be thrust upon uh, an already failing National Health Service. So, you know, it's only a matter of time. It's like a ticking time bomb if you're consistently, you know, eating you know, fat, fatty foods and uh, highly processed foods or sugary foods on a regular basis, not taking enough exercise, not getting a, getting some fresh air. You know, it's you're shortening your own life uh, and you're, you're you're heaping trouble upon your own body. And the thing is, you know, the question needs to be asked, is anything actually being done about this uh, prevention being better than cure? Are GPs, when they see patients that are overweight, are they too politically correct to say, listen, you really need to lose weight here because your BMI is so high or you're so obese that this could, you know, take years off your life or lead to, you know, early onset diabetes or a whole health of health problems. Are they doing that? I don't know. Another thing that's in this article that you highlighted as well, under the plans which will be launched uh, in Wednesday's autumn statement, hundreds of thousands of disabled Brits will be told to look for jobs they can do from home. That includes those with mobility and mental health issues. If not, they could have their benefits reduced by nearly £4,700 a year. It will apply to all new benefit claimants from 2025. So it sounds easy. Okay, you're at home. Uh, you're not out and about. You don't have to go out and about. Just get yourself a job working from home doing what exactly uh, unless you're ready in a job to begin with you're usually sent home to do that job it's hard to just apply for a job these days Gemma with no experience maybe no background or no links to any companies and then all of a sudden say yeah okay just stay on the sofa and we'll we'll pay you to do to do what telemarketing or uh, sales queries I don't know uh, but I'm just thinking where are they going to get all these jobs from given that there's so many people actually off on the sick at the minute Quite. And as well, I think that one's a Rishi Sunak kind of vote winner. He did announce that in the autumn statement. And, um, it, you know, it's a lot. He's saying a lot of things at the moment, isn't he, Rishi Sunak, about I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, we've got a general election coming up next year and politicians are famous for saying we're going to do lots of things and solve lots of problems. And lo and behold, it never happens. But I think mm. what is really um, the key here is that 
I think doctors do tell patients to uh, get some exercise and change their diet. I absolutely do believe that. Um, but I don't think it's easy for some people to do that. I think we are, as, an, as a society, um, generally encouraged to be unhappy. <laughs> it's by design. And if you're unhappy, um, addictions can quickly follow. And so many people, so many people use food as a way of um, masking their emotions or, or, or damping down their emotions. It, at both ends of the spectrum, some people deny themselves food to manage very difficult emotions. And some people binge on food to manage very difficult emotions. I'm not saying that's the case with every overweight or obese person. But in our society now, it's far easier to do that with the type of food, if you want to call it food, that's on the shelves. And the, and the absolute power of the corporations that make this type of food, the power, the influence and the money they have over governments, which is why I think governments are very wary when it comes to junk food of kind of saying, don't eat it, don't eat it, because there's a lot of money and power behind those companies that do exert a huge amount of influence. Yeah, there is. So, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think uh, GPs maybe are bringing it to people's attention. I don't know if they're uh, actively, not pushing it, but uh, a, a health kick towards people. Because, of course, you can't make people do something that they want to do. But I don't know, maybe there should be more awareness made to say, look, okay, you may be feeling okay today, but if you keep going at the rate you're going, this could knock off so many years potentially from your life. Or this could be setting you up for A, B, C, D, E, F, and G conditions in the short term, rather than whenever you get to be an old age pensioner even if you get to that point in your life so i don't know uh maybe if there's anybody in there and the medical professionals listening in you can let us know is it pushed uh is health kick pushed on the nhs or is it just simply highlighted and then it's up to you to make change after that without any real encouragement so Gemma, thanks very much as always for the input on that story here this morning we will talk again tomorrow morning all being well uh, i have dr ermi ray hopefully connecting in from paris france uh, in a minute or two so please don't go away we'll be right back after the short break here on tnt radio tnt radio's patrick henningson there's a dark cloud which is gathering over ukraine this has been an absolute disaster in the last month alone as it reported previously ukraine's lost 30 15,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government, is doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob, recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart and now as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones united through reading is also available to veterans 
Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Well, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's Monday, the 4th of December, 2023. This is TNT Radio. We are beaming at you live from the Gold Coast in Australia. Fingers crossed, uh, I'm going to be joined uh, before the top of this hour by Dr. Ermi Ray from Paris, France. We're just having some connectivity issues as per now. So Ermi is going to try and connect in with us. And let's hope that she's able to do so. If she can't, for whatever reason, well, you're going to be stuck with old Rick Munn solo until the top of the hour. But fear not, I have an absolute ton of stories here that I've highlighted to talk to uh, Ermi with, but I can talk about them on my own. Or I would say, if it's possible, uh, if you guys want to help me out or even lift the phone and give us a call during the course of this hour, if we can't get connected with Ermi, then please feel free to do so. The numbers are available on our website, which is tntradio.live. So anything that I'm talking about or anything that you would like to discuss with me or anything that you would like to talk about, uh, either leave a message in the live chat or lift the phone and give us a call if we don't get hooked up with the uh, guest, uh, Dr. Ermi Ray. So let's just see what happens. This is one of the beauties of live radio. You never know what's going to happen, but you have to be sort of prepared for the worst to happen, which I sort of am. And it kind of reminds me of the first time I ever did a show, my very first show ever on TNT Radio. Uh, my guest, a uh, big ice hockey player called Brant Myers, he got his days mixed up. So my very first call or guest on my very first live radio show uh, on the 17th of January 2022, he didn't actually weigh in. And I had to fly solo for the first 45 odd minutes until we were able to get uh, Stephen Kelly on the line at the drop of a hat. And he was my very first guest and he's been coming on the show regularly ever since. So uh, some things that I'm seeing here this morning in the news that are just uh, making news headlines today. Uh, gun prohibition. Uh, Democrats in America are unveiling what the NRA or the National Rifle Association calls the most sweeping gun prohibition bill of the 21st century. And we all know how much the Americans like their guns. We all know how much they like to own multiple firearms and a lot of ammunition. That's their right to do so under the Second Amendment. But uh, if this goes ahead, the latest push uh, to curb Second Amendment rights comes in the form of a Democrat-led bill uh, that seeks to impose a sweeping firearms ban with exceptions that gun rights groups say are so fuzzy that the prohibition could prohibit nearly all semi-automatic handguns. The bill, which is dubbed the Gas-Operated semi automatic Firearms <laughs> Exclusion Act, or uh, Go Safe, uh, in fact, that's an easier way to say it. Go safe. The gun rights groups panned as perhaps the most sweeping prohibition was introduced on the 29th of November by a number of Democrat senators, along with an independent. No Republicans joined in uh, this motion. Generally, the key idea is to ban firearms that can be fired quickly, along with accessories that increase firing speed and have the ability to accept magazines with 10 or more rounds. Listen, this is a nonsense this is a nonsense. If somebody wants to kill you with a gun, it really doesn't matter how many shots they can crack off in quick succession. Arguably, it's easier to kill someone with a machine gun than it is with a handgun. But the bottom line is if somebody wants to shoot you, they're going to shoot you. Okay. Uh, and you can have multiple guns, you know, so if you're only restricted to 10 rounds in a clip, for example, you simply have more than one clip. 
could have three clips, you know, with nine bullets in each one. That's 27 bullets. Where, where do you draw the line here? Revolver usually takes six bullets uh, in the chamber as well. You simply have more than one revolver, have more ammunition. You keep topping it up with. So, you know, to, to ban weapons on the basis of their quick firing and rapid firing is insane. And let's just think about this also for one minute. Uh, if you are unfortunate enough to go to prison, uh, you know, you'll be kept locked up with no access to any firearms whatsoever. Yet prison is one of the most violent places that you could possibly be. And the amount of people that are stabbed, stabbed to death or brutalized in prisons where there are no actual guns available is absolutely off the scale. So what I'm trying to say is if somebody wants you dead or somebody wants to injure you or somebody wants to cause you a lot of pain and suffering, they will find a way to do that whether they have access to a firearm or not, or whether or not that firearm can discharge uh, bullets in rapid fashion or not. So banning uh, rapid fire firearms isn't going to accomplish anything whatsoever. And of course, it probably will get a huge amount of kickback from the NRA and from Republicans within America. So uh, I'm very happy to tell you that Ermi has actually been able to join me. We're going to take a quick news break right now. And when we come back, we're going to dive straight into it with Dr. Ermi Ray and find out exactly what What's going on in her neck of the woods in Paris, France, here exclusively and live on TNT Radio. Now, where trusted newscasters deliver the day's news at the same reliable time. TNT Radio News. That sounds awesome. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The U.S. defense chief has warned Israel is heading for a strategic defeat in Gaza as it drives the civilian population into the arms of the enemy. There are new fears the war could widen following a major escalation in the Red Sea. North Korea has threatened to take out American spacecraft if the US interferes with its new spy satellite. And more than 400 children under the age of eight have been rescued from a child sex trafficking syndicate in Africa. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, without any further ado, I want to welcome uh, my yeah sparring partner from Paris and France. Ermi and I have talked many, many times here on TNT Radio, and it's always lovely to see her again, Dr. Ermi Ray. She's got a PhD in mathematics uh, from Cambridge University. She's an author. I would say she's a human rights advocate, and she's currently based in France. She also has a YouTube channel that she's uh, launched recently called Think About It. You haven't already done so i would encourage you to go onto youtube and subscribe to that channel ermi let's talk about that just to kick things off for a while i had another browse over it last night and uh, you were talking about logic uh talking about logic and i would have thought i was putting myself into your position last night thinking with your mathematical brain with your logical brain is it not driving you slightly insane to see so much happening in the world that is illogical and that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever? Yes, indeed. I mean, the whole thing is illogical, but I think uh, partly, at least, the, the absence of logic is voluntary because the more, uh, I mean, I think it's well... Uh, it's a well-mastered way of, of social engineering uh, because the more you, you pretend to be illogical, the more the other person completely loses sense of whether he's coming or going or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can, you can really control people by 
pretense illogic. But it's true that it's it's hard to analyze something that's not logical logically. But I think the uh, the social engineering uh, angle helps to do that. Mm. Uh, tell me this, uh, you know, from from your position, uh, you know, in France, obviously you're experiencing a lot of things that are, or we're experiencing a lot of what you're experiencing. You're experiencing a lot of what we're experiencing. There was a story uh, just broke this morning. Apparently a Paris attacker near Eiffel Tower leaves uh, one person dead and two seriously injured. So a German man uh, has died and two others, including a British man, have been injured in a knife and hammer attack uh, on a street in central Paris. The attack occurred near the Eiffel Tower shortly before uh, 9 p.m. local time on Saturday night. A 26-year-old French man was later arrested and anti-terrorist protesters, uh, uh, sorry, anti-terrorist prosecutors have opened an investigation. This happened, you know, not so long ago, nearly two weeks ago in Ireland as well. A, a stabber uh, attacked some school children and some school workers when they were coming out of school. We're hearing about it all the time in England, in Sweden, in Germany, in France, in Italy, in Spain. Are these attacks, like you're in France at the minute, you're in Paris at the minute, do you feel or have you perceived that it has become a little bit, uh, let's just say, more dangerous to live where you live versus maybe what it was like five or ten years ago? Uh, no, I, I I actually think that all this is man is uh, an illusion. I mean, I'm not saying the attacks are not real, mm -hmm. uh, but I think the whole thing is masterminded from from somewhere uh, exactly for this reason to create fear, to mm -hmm. divide people, um, mm -hmm. and if we fall in that trap, then we will be manipulated even more. Mm. Uh, and in fact, the, this whole thing about fear in, 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 since the 90s, but, but especially the 21st century, the, the whole, uh, our whole way of looking at things is fear, fear, fear. I mean, we are, mm -hmm. we are averse to take risks, whereas mm -hmm. in, in fact, uh, there is far less to fear in our world. We, we, we are far more protected than than ever before. But this is engineered, I, I think, uh, uh, in the sense that fear is what can be manipulated to lead to a totalitarian state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, fear, and, fear. Uh, it's a very powerful control mechanism. And that's, that's why I wanted to ask you that question, because you hear reports uh, from all over Europe at the minute, from all over the world at the minute, of various attacks that are happening, their terrorist attacks, their jihadi attacks, they're uh, you know, influenced by this and influenced by that. And one thing we talked about, I remember to try and get you to debunk in the past was there was a lot of headlines when there was ratting in France not so long ago about pension reforms and about various other things that were happening around Emmanuel Macron. The headlines were reading, Paris is on fire, Paris has fallen, France has fallen, France is burning. <laughs> It wasn't necessarily the case. And I think if you yeah. buy into that, you have to be aware that there are issues. There's most certainly issues that are really not doing France any good or doing Ireland any good at the minute. But when you start to introduce healthy doses of fear, uh, that can paralyze people and it can also drive a lot of wages amongst people. And I think it's that divide and conquer mechanism that's really, they're going hammer and tongs for it in the mainstream media at the minute. That's why I wanted to ask you the question. As a resident, 
in Paris, do you feel more under threat now or less? Or are you just mm -hmm. simply aware, yeah, you know, I have to be careful. I have to keep my wits about me, but I'm no less more fearful than I was maybe, you know, a year ago, two years ago. N yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, absolutely. I mean, and the greatest fear they tried to create was the pandemic. I mean, yeah. as there were, you know, there were viruses at every corner of of each street uh, waiting to jump on us, and people became. I mean, I mean, fear uh, through fear, people accept totalitarian rules. I mean, they accepted to be to be actually locked up in their houses. They, 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 and now the more they will create this kind of fear and it doesn't, it hasn't started yesterday. It has been like that for decades. I mean, the more people will want a totalitarian government, full surveillance, they'll think they are being protected. But basically this is a fear of life. I mean, people, it's not, a, it, and out of a fear of life, people are going towards the, the, becoming the living dead. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it, it, we have to. Uh, uh, I mean, we are so risk averse nowadays. I mean, in each thing, you you it's written. You know, we calculate the amount of risk. There is so mm -hmm. much risk. Well, I mean, living is risky. I mean, I mean, the only thing we're certain of is one day we're going to die. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, but but uh, uh, so it's this uncertainty of life that we're afraid of and we want to control everything but the fact is the uncertainty of life is also the the source of hope so let's look at it like that but Let me ask if you. it was certain i mean we wouldn't be human i mean if we knew everything I mean, let me ask you a question, right? Okay, coming from your background, okay, so you're obviously, you know, mathematical genius compared to me, for example. No, you've got no, a PhD no, in maths. You've got a from PhD it. in maths from Cambridge University. Where do you sit, just out of curiosity, on the risk profile? Because you may not know this, but my social media handle is actually no risk, no reward. So I'm a big believer in taking chances. I'm a big believer in taking risks. I would sit high up on the risk profile, but I'm a little bit reckless and a little bit crazy on it. You don't strike me as a reckless, crazy person. So with a logical <laughs> thinking mind, where do you sit on the risk profile yourself? Would you be in the middle or would you actually be a closet risk taker or would you always tend to play it safe? Where do you sit, uh, Dr. Ermi Ray? Well, I, I, I don't even think in those terms. Uh, I just try to act according to my values. Uh, and I tend to be quite a happy person. But the thing is, you, can, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control the way you perceive your circumstances. Mm. Mm -hmm. And even in a concentration camp, it's very interesting what psychologists like uh, Viktor Frankl wrote uh, uh, you, you know, I mean, if you have a, uh, a sense of life greater than yourself, then 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 you don't, you know, your little life is not so important. I mean, it, it is important to you. It's it's critical, but at the same time, you you connected something which is bigger than you, and and uh, so in 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 my opinion. It, it, I, in fact, it's very interesting you saying this because I, I uh, about a couple of weeks ago, I had a program on uh, on fear, exactly, on, on, actually about fear. 
And uh, on the 18th of December, I'm having a program uh, uh, which will be called Can We Live Without Fear? Mm. Because and what's the that, 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 well, yeah, I think so. Spoiler but, but, alert. Because you see, you, you see, we have to. Well, it's very interesting what's coming from the neurosciences because um, we have to make uh, a difference between the uh, unconscious. Uh, uh, behavioral and physiological response to fear, which is the 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 flee or fight uh, mm -hmm. decision that you make unconsciously, mm -hmm. and uh, and the feeling of fear, and what we see in uh, 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 recent research in and brain research shows is that it's not the same networks in the brain that deal with both these things so that some people are now saying that the physiological and uh, and, and behavioral automatic response should not be called fear should be called something else because it's it's not actually the same thing and so it's the feeling of fear which is destructive because the feeling of fear leads you as you said to apathy to indifference it can also lead you to violence. It's actually at the at the at, at the the real reason why we are uh, uh, so uh, so unhappy. We uh, and what is fear? It's always of something that hasn't yet happened. Mm -hmm. Once it mm -hmm. happens, we lose the fear. We deal with it, uh, yeah. and it may not happen. It, it, That's it, it's, it's, it's an interesting point you say about you know you know if you think about a cornered animal for example uh, there's nothing more dangerous than a cornered animal because when it's backs against the wall and it fears for its life that animal has got nothing to lose and it can lash out so that's another uh, not often discussed byproduct of fear is the fact that people can flip uh, and in respect of uh, you know not knowing or this fear of the unknown or something that's going to happen but hasn't happened yet or might not happen they can lash out and do crazy things which is I think what we're seeing more of uh, in society at this point in time. And of course, fear uh, is a very powerful control mechanism as well. You know, it can, it causes your, you know, your hormones to go all over the place, you know, your fight or flight, you get adrenaline dumps if you think your life's in danger. And then if that doesn't actually precipitate, then you become on a, like a physiological downer after that. And constantly we were stuck in these loops of fear during the pandemic, uh, you remember it, every day you were told about death tolls and lockdowns and, we, we, you know, we, there's a new wave coming, there's a new variant, it's more dangerous. It was to constantly keep people in that fear cycle, or maybe, which I think, number one, didn't do them any good physiological and number two, yeah. mentally or physically, or it made them much, much easier to control. Uh, we've got to take a little uh, ad break right now. And when we come back, I want to look at one of the other ways that they're trying to control people, or at least they're trying to push through, which is the push towards maybe digital identities and of course uh removing cash from society which is proving to be a lot more difficult than they uh expected however there is a concerted push going on to try and launch central bank digital currencies right across europe now i want to get your thoughts and opinions on that when we come back so please don't go away this is tnt radio with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea facts matter and the fact is that until the COVID-19 genetic therapy injections hit the scene, we didn't have thousands of young athletes dying in competition, in training, or home asleep in their beds. We didn't blame things like a previously undiagnosed genetic cardiac anomaly, or taking too cold a shower, or walking too briskly to class. 
And the fact is that it wasn't Israelis that kidnapped Palestinian Olympic athletes in Munich and murdered them. It wasn't Israelis that blew up nightclubs in Berlin and Indonesia. It wasn't Israelis that drove a truck through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin or shot up a Christmas market in Germany. It wasn't Israelis that stabbed to death festival goers in Stockholm. It wasn't Israelis that did these things. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Whatever happened to good? It's a word that gets thrown around a lot, and it's become our automatic answer to so much. Hey, how's things? Good. Your mum, your weekend? Good, good. Is good even that good anymore? At the Salvos, we believe good deserves better. Let's reclaim its true meaning. To us, good has always been about making a difference, and good never picks or chooses who it helps. Isn't it time we all remember what good really means? Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we're talking a little bit this morning about fear, how it can be a very negative emotion to have, how it can be very destructive, self-destructive, and it can also cause you to be destructive uh, if you suffer badly from it. And also, of course, it makes you potentially a lot easier to control if you're in a state of perpetual fear. So one of uh, example of this, uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Urmi Ray this morning from uh, Paris. She's in Paris, France at the minute. I want to get her views on what's happening within the French banking sector, but in Australia at this point in time. And of course, there's a real push going on for control in Australia. It was a real testing ground for lockdowns and draconian uh, measures to be taken during the lockdowns. Mm. Victoria had one of the worst, most brutal, mm. long-standing lockdowns in history. Uh, Western Australia was horrific. Northern Territory was really bad. It was really, really bad place. But uh, uh, for, for lockdowns and restrictions, I mean, uh, Australian banks have signed up to the digital agenda that promotes a cash-free society, which means no bank branches and no cash. That's what they're pushing towards in Australia. This will help banks make super profits while hollowing out the bush and reducing service accessibility for both the elderly and the disabled. And places that are have poor internet and anyone who cannot access the internet or use a keyboard. Access data shows 28% of Australians are unable to use digital banking for these reasons. So government's digital ID group of bills will facilitate your identity being verified every time you access your phone, internet, banking, travel, banking, sorry, I've said banking, uh, public spaces, or drive your car. So there's a real push at the minute, or me, in Australia towards getting rid of all bank branches, getting rid of cash transactions, making everything being done online or done remotely. But the problem is, you know, a quarter of Australians can't actually access this service, but yet they're pushing on with it anyway. Is this another possibly the greatest method of control is when you can control what somebody can buy and sell or their transactions based on their digital identity or lack of a digital identity, in this case, in the Australian banking sector. Yes, I mean, this will be a, a, a method to completely control people because uh, you won't be able to, I don't know, um, buy certain things because they'll say that you 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 haven't behaved properly or something mm -hmm. and they will know exactly where you are when you are or where you go and already um in uh, in france you can't take you can't pay cash beyond i think a certain amount anymore um you uh and obviously the digital euro is coming 
very soon. At first, I think it will be voluntary. Uh, unfortunately, there are many things that have, uh, you know, I, 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 I think the Bitcoin and many alternative um, uh, monetary uh, monies, which are, uh, are, are virtual, have uh, made people used to the idea. And this is very bad. And I think that's why they were allowed, because they can if they hadn't wanted to allow all, all, all those alternative uh, virtual money, they could have very well um, uh, not have done it. Uh, uh, and uh, it's not just money. In France, there was a, a, a law that was passed in August, I think, uh, whereby every uh, uh, doctor, if they think a patient poses any risk to others, well, all his data will be sent to a centralized um, data center of the government, and the patient will have absolutely no right to say no, uh, and not and the, his data uh, and also just you know doing some blood test. The test center will have the the right to do so, and absolutely every uh, uh, person that works for a biological lab will have access to your data. Most of these biological labs are private and they are owned by these big groups and, you know, there's, uh, or the, you know, the, all the the, the 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 Gates Foundation and all that, and not just that, you know, uh, Bain and Co. and uh, you know, McKinsey and everybody is sort of behind uh, all these uh, private labs, and uh, and so. This is the problem is if you're afraid, you don't see where the danger is, and you don't act against it. I mean, it's if you are, uh, if you keep a distance, you can analyze and then act against it in in, in a constructive way. And uh, uh, yes, I mean, this is extremely um, dangerous. But the fact is that if we're not afraid and we say no, there are many methods, completely nonviolent methods of saying no. If there is more than a certain amount of people, then then they they can't, you know, they, they, uh, they see, can't one implement. Thing, one thing we Trump, uh, well, we've been trying to push the the concept here since the TNT radio startup was this concept of mass non-compliance, mass non-violent uh, non-compliance with whatever edicts the government's put in place at the time. And even if we can just think about banking for a minute, right? Just banking in general. Have we not? Uh, brought this upon ourselves to a greater degree because because people poured it so quickly across the internet banking services and I'm I'm guilty of it as much as the next person because I hate it standing in bank branches I hate it having to take time off go into town park the car go to a branch stand in a queue to speak to a cashier to get some issue resolved that I could do online without leaving the house it just became so much more convenient so much quicker for me to do that and there, therefore it became very attractive for me. Uh, the fact is many bank branches in and around where I live at the minute have now closed. They've been repurposed to other things. Those banks really can't open up again uh, because I think people just went with the flow. And then maybe now we're, as a whole, I mean, collectively, we're scratching our heads going, you know, for the sake of just, you know, 
biting the bullet and going in and standing and queuing and putting more stress on the banks to provide more staff, maybe those branches would have stayed open at the minute. Uh, I, I hope you, you get what I'm saying there. You know, are yeah, we yeah, part I, of I, the problem that has brought ourselves to this position and is now, you know, we've got to wake up collectively big time and make sure that this goat doesn't go any further down the road. The can doesn't get kicked any further down the road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we are responsible, you know, to, to just say they do this to us. No, we have participated at every step of the process. Our mm -hmm. parents have participated in it. I mean, the, uh, and just for what? Just for some some ease, like a few minutes, a few seconds of 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 extra time uh, to do what? To uh, to lose that extra time doing stupid things, and yeah. uh, and, and, and we've also lost you know physical contact with other people. If you if you go to a cashier, you can talk to the cashier. There's a human yeah. communication, uh, and and, uh, it, and a job, it, and, it and a job to too. People. Don't forget, because yeah, exactly. the, all those cashiers mean people that aren't working anymore, which means their wages have gone, which means their dependents are suffering. Maybe exactly. they can't pay rent. They can't. So it's a real vicious cycle, isn't it? Absolutely vicious circle. And, and, and what is very interesting, if you delve into social engineering, I mean, we have been made to become compliant and accept and not question through the whole, uh, I wouldn't call it education, whatever school system from childhood and we ha i mean the social the conditioning has st starts very early in life at a time when your own brain is information and uh, uh and the as the generations go on they are even more conditioned than than the ones before and hence i think it's extremely important to discuss uh, the questions of control about how do we get out of the the this, uh, uh, psychological control so that we become ourselves again because at this point the control is so much through suggestion this and that propaganda that we don't even know uh, whether our thoughts are are our own thoughts or whether they are thoughts that have been implanted in us we know we we've completely lost ourselves and we must in real life be, with groups of friends or like-minded people just discuss uh, and really try to find ourselves again because also to change society how can we change society if we are not uh, if we don't change ourselves society is us i mean it's and uh, the only person that one can control is uh, ourselves you know and uh, so I think it's we have to really go along with collective action and uh, and personal. The more we'll advance personally, the more we'll be able to to act collectively in a way that 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 is helpful. And vice versa, the more we can uh, immerse ourselves in others through this love that connects us to everybody then the more we will also find ourselves it's somehow uh, and the less we'll be afraid the more things will change we don't know how but but uh, 
But we need to do it, we need to do it collectively. You know, this needs to be a collective effort that's done. It's great to uh, have uh, some people that think the same way as say, for example, you and I do, but there has to be a critical mass that's reached. There has to be the numbers there that will overturn this and you know that that force will carry through for long-lasting change within our societies. That's why we need to keep banging the drum like we're doing at the minute. We need to keep trying to get more and more long-lasting change within our societies. That's why we need to keep banging the drum like we're doing at the minute. We need to keep trying to get more and more people on side Absolutely. because when a critical mass is reached and when the tipping point is reached, that's when results uh, usually come. Now, you mentioned as well about uh, formative years. Uh, children especially are extremely uh, susceptible to whatever they're told at a very young age. And you know, when I was at school, probably the same as you, around about the same time as you, the, we were never told about uh, the world's going to end with droughts, natural disasters, right. tidal waves, solar flares, and all this sort of business. We've only got a hundred years left unless we stop doing A, B, C, and D. But now that's been very much introduced into even uh, primary exactly. schools uh, with children's curriculum. Uh, just interestingly here, as we're coming into the winter, we've got about uh, four minutes left. Just I uh, want to try and squeeze this one in with you. But John Kerry, uh, you know, the czar of climate change on the same day oh. as Biden administration, climate czar John Kerry warned of out of control global warming at the UN climate conference in sunny Dubai. Uh, the of Europe is experiencing an unprecedented deep freeze. Now, I can't speak for you in Paris, but I can tell you this, uh, where I live in Northern Ireland, it is absolutely freezing at the minute. The central yeah. region has been on almost nonstop over the entire weekend. Are you feeling global warming in Paris right now, or are you shivering quietly in your flat? I'm, I'm wishing John Kerry was actually telling the truth, but there is no bloody uh, global warming crisis. We're freezing yeah, here yeah. in Europe pretty much right across the board. Yes, well, it's actually very cold. And the fact is that life and therefore climate always changes. I mean, life is not something static. It's only in death that everything is static. I mean, and so climate will always change. I mean, it has always changed in history. I mean, so we are afraid of life. Basically, we've made people afraid to live. They want to be frozen. I mean, well, well, it's like collective. I mean, it's completely mad. We're insane. It's an insane society. Uh, I mean, it's not you and I that are insane. It's society. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the few of us who are trying to say other things, we are labeled insane. But no, it's society that's insane. And anyone that conforms to an insane society is in, is becoming insane. I mean, it, 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 in fact, it's dangerous. It, it's, it's it's inversion, dangerous. is it not? You know, there's a word. There's a word that we and well, we've used a lot recently. It's an inversion. You know, that which is good is inverted to that which is now deemed to be evil and that which is evil is inverted to be that which is deemed to be good and there's an old saying as well that the lunatics uh, have taken over the asylum and uh, bearing right back to the first thing that I asked you uh, it must be very difficult for someone with your logical thinking brain with your uh, doctorate in mathematics from Cambridge University which takes a lot to get I would imagine it's not something you can just walk into and do there's a huge amount of dedication and a huge amount of thought and study goes in to that. That's why I, I, I almost started off the conversation by saying it must be driving you absolutely ballistic at the moment, living in this crazy world where, in your words, you cannot use logic, 
to make sense of the illogical. And I think that's what we're seeing. We've talked about climate change. We've talked about uh, fear being pushed at every turn in every way in our society at the minute. We've talked about the breakdown in banking. We've talked about, you know, uh, squeezes being put on us to create transactions. Just in a nutshell, because uh, we've only got one minute left here. Uh, we'll have to be optimistic, don't we? Because if we don't have hope and optimism. Oh, yes. Oh yes, I mean, the, 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 uh, 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 I mean, humanity has always won, so we'll get, you know, it will win again. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, it's there's a rise in violence. The basic problem is violence. That's the issue we have to address, and it's this, uh, uh, it, it's what we call uh, uh, narcissistic uh, personality mm-hmm. disorder or, or, or psychopathy. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that the whole thing is uh, not so different, and and. Uh, and and the more people are like that, the more they rise to the top. And uh, basically, we have to learn not not to be under their control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they use every psychological means to control us. And you know what? We just say no, just simply and firmly say, no, I do not accept it. I will not comply. I will not do what you say. That in and of itself is possibly the biggest act of defense that you can do. And if enough people of us do it, Ermi, then we won't be in this position maybe in a year, two years or three years time. But for now, we've got to wrap this one up. The time has just flown by like a rocket. I want to thank you so much for jumping on and having a conversation. Dr. Ermi Ray, James Freeman is incoming as per right now. So make sure you stay tuned to the one and only TNT radio more magic incoming now